Welcome to Pining for Penny Pod. I'm Heather. And I'm Emily. This is a fan podcast to summarize, discuss, and dissect the whole Armand Gamache mystery series by Louise Penny. We are going book by book in the order they were written, just a few chapters at a time. And most importantly, we're here to enjoy some wine, scotch, beer, cafe au lait, tea, and pretty much any food described in the novels. Disclaimers, we may have some spoilers for future books, but we will do our best to not ruin any big things. Also, and this is very important, we are not francophones, nor are we Canadian. No, actually, we are recording this podcast from lovely Houston, Texas, so please excuse our French. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, we're yeah. back. We are? We I are. I don't know how long it's been. <laughs> Way too long. At least... Uh, Seven months long, because <laughs> I paid you money. Seven months worth of money. Yeah, at least. Yeah. yeah. So, sorry. We just, you know, have lives. Yeah. Life happens. Life happens. So many things happen. So many things have mm-hmm. happened. Emily, what is one amazing thing that's happened in your life mm-hmm. in the last several months since we recorded a podcast app? I think, I think I went to Paris. I don't know if we recorded no. Before then. So, yeah, I went to Paris. Pretty huge. Yep. I barely spoke French. Said bonjour. Bonjour. That's pretty good. Exactly like that. Yeah. The entire time. And they knew instantly that you weren't French. Correct. Okay. Yep. That's helpful. Yes. I prefer that people know them American immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Take pity on me. Yeah, yeah, it did come in handy when I was at the train station and looking very lost. <laughs> and somebody looked at me and was like, are you American? <laughs> Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> Please direct me to where I need to go. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Good job. Thank you. And you? What's uh, what's one big thing that has happened to you? I, I guess I bought a house. You bought a house. So we're actually in a new podcasting location, but it looks pretty much the same as it did before because <laughs> it's essentially the same room, yeah. but in a new home. So, yay, we're in a house. Um, it is a little echoey in here, so hopefully that sounds okay. So we'll see. And if it does, we'll figure it out for next time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is a new room. Bear with us. We have a lot of cool windows that we can look out. And mm-hmm. there's some beautiful weather today. So oh, it's finally beautiful here. That window's open over there, which is nice. Oh, that is nice. So, you know, you know, as a reminder, we're in Houston. Yeah. And as everywhere else in this world, we burned. We burned this summer. Oh, my God. It was so hot. It never ended. And this was literally the first week of cooler air. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like the first day, yeah. <laughs> basically, that it's been cool. So we are now in the midst of a book that is fully in a nice, balmy, stormy, thundery <laughs> scene. Yeah. And we have finally... <laughs> In real life, past that, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, yes. That's okay. We're still enjoying all of the uh, summer food and summer feels. I'm sure mm-hmm. this is what it feels like um, when it's summer in other places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Emily has Emily, as in I'm talking about myself, uh, has a gurgly stomach today. Yeah. So maybe Heather will keep in some of the gurgles. You might hear some of that. I hope they're in there. <laughs> So, um, last time we covered chapters one through seven of, um, A Rule Against Murder by Louise Penny, and we're going to go ahead and finish the book. So, the, the chapters that we're going to be covering today are eight through 14, because <laughs> we can do math, yep, even though hard. the addition doesn't work. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so, why don't we get into our French-ass name segment and yes. refresh ourselves with some French. It's been a long time. So if we have done any of these words before, bear with us because guess what? We're learning and we need to re-remember them. And some of them are just my favorite. So that's true. All right. I'll try to say this first one. Um, non. Non. Ce n'est pas nécessaire. Very nice. Almost. That just means no, it's not necessary. Right. Emily, would you like to say it? Uh, non. Ce n'est pas nécessaire. That sounds a little bit Spanish-ish. <laughs> no, ce n'est pas necessaire. I don't know if they would say the R at the end, but... Um, yeah, no, it's not necessary. And then our next one is tableau vivant. 
tableau vivant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. Yeah. And that means a living picture. What? What is that? Is that like Hogwarts, Harry Potter stuff? <laughs> <laughs> like the picture's actually yeah. moving? You know what? Now I wish I remembered the context <laughs> in which I wrote it down. But um, I think it means like, oh, this is a living picture of blank. Like a perfect um, portrait of a representation. Like a uh-huh. perfect representation of something. Okay. You know what I mean? Like the, the Manoir Belle Chasse. Belle, what is it? Belle Chasse? What? <laughs> Belle Chasse? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it's not Belle Chasse. <laughs> I think it's Manoir Belle Chasse or something like that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like the living picture of a cute little manor in the woods. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, I'm catching that reference yeah. now. All right. All right. Let's, uh, what's the next one? Je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. It's my favorite. That's something I mean, that Americans have heard yeah. a lot, I feel like, so we can like almost say it. Right. Has that certain je ne, je ne sais quoi. Exactly. Quality to it. <laughs> Mm. What's this next one? one? Je comprends. Je comprends. Does that mean like I understand or you understand or? You know, if I'm gonna <laughs> apply my English to the French, yeah, so, yeah, I would say it sounds like I understand. <laughs> I comprehend. Um, when I was in Paris, I was talking with a friend. Um, who's living there now for 15-ish years. And she said that uh, she was told that it would take at least six or seven years for her to become, you know, fluent Mm. where, yeah. So how long have we been doing this podcast? (sighs) I mean, it feels like seven years. Why are we not fluent? I'm just saying it's been several years and we are like on the level of fluency. The bottom. Almost in the negatives. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't live there. It's not fair. Nope. <laughs> okay, so should we get into our first weekly investigative yes, report? Yes, the first weekly, chapter eight. Um, this, so in this chapter, we, you know, finally get to see what is underneath the, the big cover. Um, so the Morrow family is sitting around and they unveil a statue. Okay. And they find that it is a creepy, it's kind of creepy. Not really, they don't feel like it's an accurate depiction, but it's a Charles Morrow, the uh, head of the family, the father. Um, no one really seems to miss him all that much. They're not all of that, all that interested in really talking about it or, you know, making exclamations about it. Yeah, I feel like there's, like, this big unveiling, and it's just, like, cool. Yeah. I mean, if they could have been on cell phones, and that probably would have happened. Uh, And just not paying attention. But this book was written in 2000 and something before. Well, also, they had cell phones back then, didn't they? Yeah. I don't even know. When did cell phones come about? Uh, late night. I don't. I mean, I didn't get mine until 2008. Um, I didn't get mine until was it 22? It's like 2002, 2003 is when I got mine. Okay. Yeah, and, and I think bit. it's just that there's no service out there, oh, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. So too. that even if they did have cell phones, they probably wouldn't be able to use right. them. Now I'm trying to think ahead. Were they texting? Anyway. I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyway, nobody cares about the statue. We even don't really care because we just started talking about cell phones. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So, we find out what is underneath uh, that big cloth. Um, There is still ongoing drama in the kitchen um, that is perpetuated by Elliot, kind of that rambunctious, whatever, going against authority, young buck. (laughs) Um, and he, in this chapter, he's still kind of like stirring the pot and this, um, Elliot wants to take the tray out to the sister, what is her name? The sister? The, yeah. Mm, The young one. The one with the bean? Nope. The, not Sandra. 
Jules. Julia. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Julia. Uh, so he wants to take it out to Julia. He's going to take it out to Sandra, who's the wife of the brother, um, because she just is very nitpicky about everything. Okay. So he doesn't want to take it to Sandra and wants right. to take it to Julia right. instead. Okay. Uh, but instead, the maitre d', maitre d', head waiter dude, Pierre, um, he takes the tray out to Julia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Elliot, as he's leaving, is like kind of sending him some drives, like it's because he has a crush on her. <laughs> and then we kind of leave that scene with the chef, who looks a little bit, is like hinting at. She doesn't like to hear that, so I wonder if there's something she has feelings for him, perhaps. Mm. Something weird going on with the chef. Yeah, with the sausage fingers chef. With the sausage fingers. That's like all I remember about her. (laughs) Yep. And then, uh, and then uh, the shit or the merd uh, hits the fan when the family all comes together, and this is where like Julia comes in and she just like throws down her little coffee cup and has a bit of a fit and Trauma. is like yelling at all of her siblings and you know calling them out for um just everything being mean. Yeah. yeah she's she's calling them all out and then she leaves she stops out saying something along the lines of like um that she knew her father's secret and just like you know mic drops and, and dun 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 yeah and everyone's just like whatever <laughs> I roll have, yeah who doesn't have secrets Right. Well, everyone, yeah, everyone in this family has a mm-hmm. secret. Okay. So, yeah, that's what happened in that chapter. Um, there was a little bit of a bistro brief. Oh, yes, please. Um, Give us the info. There was some lamb uh, and a dessert tray. Um, some cognac and espressos were talked about, and then a, a sweet liquor and chocolate. And the sweet liquor mm-hmm. was at Domique? Dom, Dom, Dominique. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. I remember reading that. Yeah. I, so I had to look it up. So I, I wonder like, what I, it is. Yeah, What's the just, flavor? I have no idea. Oh. It just said it was like a sweet liqueur. Like an after dinner liqueur? Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're like actually just eating chocolate. Yes. Just like candy. Candy. Basically. <laughs> Handfuls of it. Just <laughs> they're they're it in their mouth. <laughs> that kid that eats all the chocolate cake from Matilda. Oh. You know, just how yeah. covered he is in chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm picturing right now. But like Gamash and Ren Marie doing that. Yeah. He's all stuck in his... <laughs> oh, Wait, he's no, he's not... He doesn't have a beard, right? No. He's a mm-hmm. child. Who, Gamash? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. I feel like I sometimes picture him with a beard, and then sometimes... I don't I think don't... she ever talks about his beard. So I wonder if he doesn't have one. Maybe he doesn't. But maybe I just feel like he should have a beard. He should. <laughs> no, I think he's clean-shaven. I think he is, too. Yeah, I think yeah. he's clean-shaven. Yeah, I can okay. picture that. Okay. Uh, and then the quick quote of this book, very quick quote, was uh, some bit of advice passed down from Charles Morrow um, saying, never use the first stall in the bathroom. <laughs> Why is that, Charles? Uh, we don't actually 100% know, but someone says, well, it makes sense because if you really have to go, the first one you're going to go in is the first stall. So it always seems to be the one that's, like, used first. Yeah, I think it's the one that's just the most commonly used and the dirtiest, mm-hmm. some people say. Mm-hmm. I feel weird about going into the first stall. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I feel weird about going into the yeah. first stall sometimes. It just doesn't feel right. And I don't like to do it. Yeah, I also like to kind of go in the back. Yeah. The back corner. Or just whatever one doesn't have... Some crap in the toilet, you literally. know, like literally crap or just like bunched up mm-hmm. tissues or whatever. Yeah. I like to go <laughs> the cleanest looking one. Yeah, the yeah. same. Mm-hmm. Yay, chapter eight. Okay, so um, here's the weekly investigative report for chapter nine. So um, that's kind of Emily set the scene for all the people are here. Mm-hmm. The family's there. Gamash and Ren Marie are on their vacation. And they uh, wake up in the middle of the night to in a really intense storm. Yeah, at one point he says, like, the humidity felt like it was just so intense that it had to break at some point. Sure. Like, they were swimming, essentially. Um, it knocks out the power. And Ren Marie and Gamash are, like... It's a cute little scene where they're counting the seconds in between, like, the thunder mm-hmm. and lightning strikes. And did you used to do that? Yeah, I did. I mean, yeah. I kind of still do it. Yep. Just, like, yeah. automatically. Um, and they're just watching the storm approach, and it's, like, coming up over the lake. Um, 
a bunch of other people start to come out because they wake up too and the power went out. So mm-hmm. here are the people that come out, okay. which might be important. Sure. For later. Things. Yes. Uh, Madame Dubois. Is she the, like, receptionist? Yes. Okay. Pierre. Uh-huh. Mater D. <laughs> Mater D. Uh-huh. That's the American version. Yeah. <laughs> Mater D. Mater D. Mater D. Pierre. <laughs> Pierre. Um, Elliot, the little young guy. Colleen, the gardener. Mm-hmm. And Peter and Clara, who we know. Uh, and then Thomas and Sandra. Mm-hmm. So all of those people are kind of gathered with flashlights and chilling until the storm kind of passes. And the others must have been sleeping through it or didn't come out. Um, so then the next morning at breakfast, uh, everyone's just chilling and then they hear a scream. So it gets like nerve wracking and, um, Gamash runs upstairs and he finds yeah. Bean terrified of a bunch of stuffed animal heads in the attic. I can't imagine. I would also be terrified if I was a tiny, well, yeah, I can imagine myself being a tiny child and stumbling into a dark space and then having a bunch of animal heads. Eyes. <laughs> yeah. That'd be yeah. Terrifying. I mean, I already... Do not like taxidermy. I'm sure we've already talked about this on this podcast, but I don't like the idea of it. I think it's super creepy. I hate hunting. I don't like anything related to that. And I, I, yeah, no. So, agreed. Unless, you know, my animal passes away and I want to get a taxidermy. And I also don't approve of that. (laughs) But that's okay. We did have a conversation about this. <laughs> I don't like separate conversation about getting like the head of the cat uh, taxidermy. I wish she would yeah. just get a portrait and move on. Okay, <laughs> let's just hope that's what happens, guys. We'll keep you updated in many, 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 many years from yes, now. Yes, unless one of them has a heart attack. Yeah. Many the, years from many now. Many years. Okay. Yes. <laughs> stressful things happening in the between the animals. <laughs> no. Everything's gonna be fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yes. Everybody's fine. No one's gonna be taxidermied anytime soon. No. So, um, that kind of like, you know, everyone settles down after that, but that kind of like put people like on edge because they thought that she was injured or something bad happened. But anyway, after all that settles down, they hear screaming again. Uh-huh. And this time it's got like a real creepy ring to it. So um, Gamache and Pierre both run outside to find Colleen, the gardener, screaming. And she's absolutely terrified. And what they find is that the statue of Charles Morrow had fallen over on top of somebody. Uh. (laughs) And that somebody was dead. Yep. And that somebody was Julia. (laughs) So the sister, one of the sisters, one of the siblings of the Morrow family has been um, killed in some way. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't know if it's a murder. Her um, life has ceased. Her life is gone. So uh, I didn't know if you talked about the statue in the last chapter, but um, you kind of did. But what Gamash says about it is that he looks, like, hesitant and stooped. Right. And, like, something in his gaze stopped him dead in his tracks. And it's, like, not commanding or, like, angry or scowling like he usually would be in real life. Mm-hmm. So, everyone's just like, this isn't an accurate portrayal of Charles Morrow. So, that's interesting. It's like, right. why have this statue made and it's not even, like, a good representation? Right. Like, did he pick it out himself? We don't know. Or was it yeah. his ex? No. No. No, because it was all a surprise. It was in his will. Right. It was all a surprise for the family for when he died. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, now that I'm thinking about this... Uh, so, was Charles Morrow and his wife have they been? They've been yeah, they've been divorced for a long time. Oh, okay. And then she remarried to Bert Finney. Right. Okay. The old dude. Right. The eighty-year-old dude. So this isn't. It wasn't like a marriage after a death. No. Okay. No, because he just died, right. and that's why they're all at yeah the manor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there weren't any quotes. It was kind of just a murder. So, you know, <laughs> or, or a potential murder. We don't know if it's a murder or not yet. But there was um, some food. So for our bistro brief, uh, Gamash and Ren Marie were snacking on some plump purple cherries and a juicy peach in their preparation for the thunderstorm watching, like in the middle of the night. They got up and they were counting the, the seconds in so between the thing, and then they were like, let's go get some snacks and <laughs> sit out on the porch and watch the storm. and peaches. 
Delicious. It sounds, it does. And then the next morning over breakfast, they were having cafe au lait, obviously, uh-huh. and waffles with wild blueberries and maple syrup. Oh, that sounds good. I'm sorry, but blueberry waffles are the best waffles. Mm. I just love a good blueberry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially a cooked one, too. Like, it's, I, I mean, I like, I love them raw. I eat them raw, like, every mm-hmm. day. But when you put them in a pancake or a waffle, mm-hmm. delicious. Little, like, juicy burst. Yeah, and it gets, like you know, stained all over the place. (laughs) So good. Um, all right. Chapter 10. Breezing through these. Um, so chapter 10, uh, of course, you know, there's a murder or there's a death that has just happened. But like, let's be honest, it's Louise Benny. Correct. (laughs) We all know there's no, there's no shock here. That would actually be, wouldn't that be like a fun twist is like you find somebody dead and they spend the whole time trying to investigate a murder, and they just find out it natural causes. I mean, I guess that'd probably be revealed pretty soon. Yeah. Um, by like the coroner. Yeah. No, that's true. Or. Uh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. I guess it probably wouldn't be a good book. Probably not. It'd be like a two-second long book. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so when we have death. You always need some Earl Grey tea to go with it. Yes! <laughs> Violent death demands Earl Grey! It does. It does. So, of course, a big pot of Earl Grey tea must be made. Um, and, yeah, that really is the only drink of choice if yeah. you are facing death. This Agreed. Earl, Earl Grey. This is, like, really strong advice for yeah. anyone who needs to comfort someone mm-hmm. who is going through a death in the family or something. There was actually, I just saved a recipe on Instagram uh, for uh, an Earl Grey. So a twist on the espresso martini, mm. doing an Earl Grey <gasps> martini. That's amazing. Yes. Um, so part of it is you have to soak uh, Earl Grey tea bags in vodka for like a week or something to infuse it. Done. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to do that. Let's make that next mm-hmm. time. I mean, we can do it for the podcast. Yeah. That would be really good. Yeah. Okay. We'll do it. Um, okay. So, yeah, some Earl Grey tea. And then, of course, Gamage immediately takes control of the situation, and he goes into his very professional mode by making sure that no one is leaves. No one is leaving the oh. residence and calls in his death squad. So, Jean-Guy and Lacoste and all of them. <laughs> uh, is that what he calls them? No, I Is don't. that what you I call them? The That's amazing. <laughs> wow, um, no, I didn't know they had a title. The Death I, Squad. I mean, why not? You're going to be a murder squad? No, death squad. Yeah. yeah, let's go. Because it's not always murder. Um, and then this chapter is kind of more of just like a settling in. So mm-hmm. there is the shock of the death or murder um, is setting in and the people are trying to find their places and roles in the investigation. Um, <laughs> the The best part of this chapter was when this young detective comes in and um, she thinks she, she has identified a possible suspect because she was listening to the Morrows like whispering to each other. And so she's reporting back to Gamash. Um, she's like, yeah, sir. So I overheard the, the family talking to each other and they talked about that they think the murderer was the shopkeeper and his wife uh, named Armand and Ren Marie. <laughs> and I just love that they're just considered the shopkeeper and his cleaning woman. Right. So at yeah. this point, no one knows right. they who don't they know. are. Exactly. So, yeah, they're just kind of like people who are vacationing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So this family yeah, just thinks it's a shopkeeper? Why? I don't know. Wait, who is this young... Detective. It's a random? I think it's a it's a random. This person doesn't really get a name. Okay. But it makes me I don't think we ever talked about the last episode of uh oh. Three Pines from Amazon. Cause I'm I'm conflating some of this because I think it wasn't the last episode this book. Yeah. 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 You're right. And so I think of the from that episode. Um, Agent Nicole yeah. was in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And You're right. that I would just picture her making that. Yeah. Because in the thing. in the TV show, she's kind of more silly. Right. Yeah. I love her portrayal. Like, she's a completely different character, mm-hmm. but it's a genius character. Yep. She was great. Yeah. And then in terms of the bistro brief, so just the Earl Grey and tea and coffee mm-hmm. uh, was talked about. 
And then uh, for quick quilts, uh, this one, uh, page 95. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, oh, open okay. your books to page 95. Who would like to read out loud? I will. Uh, he was neither the hound nor the hunter. Armand Gamache was the explore, explorer. <laughs> you know, some words that end with an er, they're just not a pretty word. Explorer. Explorer. Yeah, not yeah. a nice word. Nope. He went ahead of all of the rest into territory unknown and uncharted. He was drawn to the edge of things, to the places old mariners knew and warned, beyond here be monsters. And I actually kind of like that when you're talking about someone who is investigating murders. Like, I feel like being an explorer is better than being, like, the hunter. Because um, I feel like with a hunter, you already have, like, a preconceived bias. You know, like, you're going after somebody bad, or you already have, you know, some inherent biases. But if you're exploring, then you're kind of, you know, putting everything on equal ground to yeah. figure it out. Yeah, like, with hunting, you know your prey. Right. But when you're in a murder yeah. investigation, you, yeah. you don't know mm -hmm. who you're trying to find. Exactly. So you're really more of, like, an explorer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like mm -hmm. that, too. Louise, Penny. Oh, yeah. She's so smart. So freaking smart. Have we mentioned we love her? <laughs> also, I didn't check, and I feel very ashamed saying this, but normally she releases a new book in August of each year. Was there a book that came out? That is a great question. I haven't seen one. Um, today is... What's today's date, Emily? Uh, the 7th of October? No, oh, yeah. So then it would have already been two months ago. Right. So I'm not on Facebook, and Louise Penny is not on Instagram. So. <laughs> um, not a good mix. It's not a good mix. Let's see. Um, oh, so, okay. So on August 7th of this year, uh -huh. it says, look, yippee, now on to the second draft, but the hardest part is done. I wanted you to know, and it's a picture of... Uh, a word document that says the end. No, oh, I think okay. that just means like she finished her next book. <laughs> sure. Also, but, that just makes me really nervous. Like the end. Yeah, like the like, end of the book. The end? No, it's not the end. It never would be. Like, she can't. No, when you start writing something like this, how do you how do you ever end it? You can't. You, literally, you can't. You need to make a will. So identify someone just... somebody else who's going to be able to write. In your style, and carry on the lives of these people. I'm I'm going to personally be <laughs> very damaged yeah. by the end of these books. Yeah. Um, on one hand, though, as I'm learning rereading these books, is that I have a terrible memory, and so we can reread them forever. <laughs> Who dies? Who the murderer was? What happens? No, so. in the first book when we reread Still Life, which by the way I've read that now three times, <laughs> I was so shocked that it was freaking what's what's his name? Not Peter. Ben. Ben. Yeah. When it was Ben, I was like, <gasps> I read it three yeah. times. Yeah. So I'm. Oh God, that's why I love this podcast. I'm so excited to do the future right. books because. We haven't even, like, re-seen them as um, TV shows yet, so right. it's very exciting. We'll be very upset if these books ever end, <laughs> but we'll be okay. It, we'll, we'll move on to something else. Also, like, people deserve to retire. They they do. They do. <laughs> sure. I mean, Armand Gamache could retire at some point. No, he refuses. No, he cannot <laughs> retire, because if he retires, it's over. Correct. Mm. But then I need to, I just still need to know about The Three Blinds Life. Yeah, he can be retired and I'll still yeah. read. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, Jean Guise, I mean, like, who knows? There's there's tons of other characters that can continue. There can be a little murder. Yep. But then just, like, chilling in Three Blinds. Mm -hmm. Right? And maybe it turns into, like, a ghost story afterwards. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Spooky. Yeah, well, we are in October. Okay. We are. Um, I would read a ghost story about Armand Gamache. <laughs> okay, so um, weekly investigative <laughs> report for chapter 11. Is this is this what I'm doing? Because mm -hmm. I think we sounded pretty similar here with uh, the aftermath of the death of Julia. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so more aftermath, you know? Right. Um, but what's funny is that after the death squad shows up <laughs> and Gamash starts ordering them around, the whole Morrow family is like, um, excuse me? What do you think you're doing? Who is this Who person? is this person? And Jockey's like, that's the chief inspector of the, like, Surid, whatever the hell, Swift. do Quebec. <laughs> and... They're like, oh, shit. <laughs> so they're just, like, shocked. They just thought they were some random... I really like that moment with the, the big reveal. Yeah. A little bit of vindication. Definitely. Especially with this family, specifically. Right. So, okay. A few things happen. Gamash takes Irene Finney to see the body. She finally shows emotion. So, like, this whole time, she hasn't been showing any emotion with, like, the death of... Charles Morrow and all of this. Um, and then the coroner shows up, who we all know and love, Sharon mm-hmm. Harris. Mm-hmm. She's a great, um, you know, repetitive character, recurring, recurring character. Yeah. Um, and here's a few things that they discover. Uh, Julia has been dead um, 12 hours or more, but it's difficult to tell because of the rain. Right. Because of the rain, there's no bugs. <sighs> yes. And the bugs tell you about how long the body's been there for. Right. I feel like in many books, I always read about the bugs. The bugs. Yeah. That's and because that is like, like a legitimate some, like, Yeah. Just common knowledge yeah. these days. Yeah. Yep. And then, um, interestingly, she has a smear of dirt on her finger. I mean, I didn't think that was interesting. I didn't. But. What I did think was interesting is, is this a chapter where they talk about how it was dry under her? Yeah, we're going to... You just revealed my re- <laughs> revelation. <laughs> All right, well, t- okay. I'll stop talking. No, it's really fine. The cause of death was the statue. Shocker. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it probably wasn't knocked over by the storm. And how do we know that, Emily? Uh, because she was dry. Yeah, so underneath her... Uh-huh. The ground below her was dry. So basically all around her was wet, but then her body was protecting the ground from the rain. So it had to have knocked over and killed her before the storm started. So everyone had assumed, like, oh, it was an accident. Like, mm-hmm. the, the storm probably knocked it over on her. Like, it, he was leaning forward, you know what I mean? Um, but now it seems a little bit more like a murder Correct. than a killing. Unless it just accidentally fell over for no reason at all. Seems like a very unsturdy statue. Yeah. Um, So when I was reading this part, I was a little bit uh, perplexed Mm -hmm. as to... So how come the ground was dry under her after that torrential downpour? (laughs) Yeah, you think it would have soaked up? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just less dry. More dry, I mean. <laughs> you know? Sure. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. But then I... Like, I, I think you put tarps down and... Ground is dry underneath it. I don't know. But I guess in the way that my, my brain... Like, you know, you wet a part of a, a washcloth. And it, it all, like, seeps yeah. together. Like, the water... It's like os- yeah. osmosis. You know? <laughs> Water is traveling to places where it's drier because, right? It just, like, it travels. It will travel, yeah. But I think just because it's not getting directly hit, Mm -hmm. it would just be more dry. And after the storm, when the ground starts to dry up and you've got, like, mud all over the place, you know, the place where it was not getting a direct hit would probably dry quicker. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean... They know. It makes sense, but it did make me... Ponder You're not on that. the death squad, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> no, thankfully I'm not on the death squad. Although I do like a nice cup of herbal gray tea. It's okay. We can still enjoy in the uh, post-death rituals. <laughs> Anywho, um, uh, Isabel, who always like looks at dead bodies differently than other people, mm-hmm. have noticed that Julia's arms were kind of open. Like, as if she was, like, embracing the statue falling on her rather than, like, what would you do? Like, either you would, like, put your arms out to, like, 
like stop the statue from falling on you or you might like cross your arms to like protect your yeah. chest and vital organs and things sure. so like basically it's odd that she was like if anyone you guys can't see me but <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> I just, see you right now I'm opening my arms letting my head go allowing the statue to take me out right so that was just kind of a curious yeah yeah I think I would put my arms up like yeah like if I saw something or maybe yeah maybe, maybe kind of like duck and like yeah Go to the side, like, kind of, like, not get your face hit. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah. anyway, that's the end of that chapter. It is interesting. So, um, for one quick quote, <laughs> Kamash is making fun of Beauvoir, Beauvoir who's like, clearly a city guy. And they're very much out in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere in the woods. And he is constantly getting bit by bugs. And... No one else is making any comments, and he's getting really mad. <laughs> like, don't they bite you? And people are like, "Oh, it's just a, you know, mind over matter type right. thing. Like they're biting us, but like just calm down. It's right. fine." But I get it. They're annoying. <sighs> they can be really annoying. Yeah. yeah, but he thinks, please let this be an accident, like the murder, like <laughs> you know. So, so he can just go home. He's like, "Let me go home to my barbecue, my cooler of beer, my sports channel, and my air conditioning." <laughs> And it's just so him. Yeah. There's a lot of funny quotes about him in right. all these chapters. Didn't he come out of the car too, just like wearing nice Always. shoes and like every time wasn't didn't want an umbrella or anything. And he's a good, probably gonna step in mayor. Mayor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love him. Um, anyway, uh, for the bistro <laughs> brief, there was no food. Oh, other than some nighttime Madeline cookies mm. at Diet Coke and a Cosmo magazine in bed. Who was having the Diet Coke and Cosmo? It was Sharon Harris. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. Yeah, she's like talking to them about what everyone was doing last night. And right. she was like, Gamash asked her what she was up to or whatever. And she was like, sleeping. <laughs> but she didn't want to mention the <laughs> cookies and the Diet Coke in bed. I haven't read a Cosmo in forever. Do they make them still? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I would love to know that question. Mm-hmm. answer to that question. We'll look it up later. Yeah. Uh, okay. Chapter 12. Uh, in this chapter, uh, the Death Squad is discussing <laughs> the whereabouts of where each of the family members were around the time of Julia's death. Um, and then they're also just speculating about what was her actual motivation of coming to the father's memorial, knowing that she has this rift with her family. So if she didn't like her father, she doesn't like her siblings, then why is she even there? You know, just, like, save yeah. herself some, like, stress and not even come. Um, so the family speculating about that or the death squad is speculating about that? Um, I think the death squad. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't think her family cares enough no. to discuss someone's motivation <laughs> unless they felt like it was nefarious or they could pick on that person yeah. about it. Um, and then there's also some speculation that Julia was perhaps hiding her true self behind a mask of poise and sophistication um, or potentially using that mask to kind of manipulate others. So they were talking about how she could, um, kind of use like some of her charm to get things that she wanted. And so they're thinking that maybe, you know, who is she really? Or who was? Yeah, exactly. That's my question. Like if they think it's a facade, then who Mm -hmm. is she really? And also why does that not work with her family? Right. Right. Don't know. Hmm. Um, this bistro brief from that chapter. Yes, was the inspiration. Yes, it I was. I think for some of, or at least some of the inspiration, Allison. right? Mm-hmm. For our food today, um, they had shortbread. Oh, we did not have any shortbread cookies this time. Um, cold soup with herb. So whatever that, whatever that means. Soups. So Emily made us a cold soup today. She made us a gazpacho yeah. because, like, what does cold soups with herbs mean? Right. It could be anything. It really, you know, I dive into the cold soup world, <laughs> um, both a little bit disturbed but also interested <clears throat> in potentially exploring the world of cold soup. I guess it's just if I'm going to have a soup – I prefer it to be warm. Yeah, I mean, it just is the feel of being cozy and comforting and cold is not that. Right. Although this was delicious and I did it again. Yeah. And then I was also pondering what else could be a cold soup. And then it made me think (laughs) 
other things that we eat cold with a spoon that are liquidy. Um, cereal. That's kind of like a cold soup. It's literally a soup. (laughs) I eat soup for breakfast every day then. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I love soup. People who don't like soup weird me out. It's weird. Yeah. Nothing is better than a soup. We both have been on a soup kick. Yeah. No, definitely. And also it's so so easy to make, like especially in the crock pot or something like that and just pop it in and then it's delicious and done when I get home later from work. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Oh, yes. And then some sandwiches. Yeah. So, you know, these people are all like, on vacation at like a nice manor. Mm-hmm. Manoir. Mm-hmm. And they're eating some fancy cold soup. Open face sandwiches or sandwiches. I can't mm-hmm. say I've ever been offered a cold soup at any vacation I've been on. I, you know, I feel like... I've seen the OG, the gazpacho, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think I've ever really seen any other cold soups or had any other cold soups other than gazpacho. No. Nope, me either. One day, we're going to make a strawberry yeah. soup or something next. Yeah, that'll be fun. So, at Heather's new home, there she has trees in her backyard. There's, and there's trees. some. Really freaking cute squirrels. Yeah. That like just roll on by with acorns sticking out of their mouth. And then sometimes they drop their babies mm. and they have to be rescued and it causes me to have severe anxiety <laughs> and to cry all day long. Yes, but you did rescue a baby squirrel. I rescued a baby squirrel the other day. It was probably the most emotional experience <laughs> that I have gone through in the past several years. <laughs> because I will not be responsible for the death of a baby squirrel. I refuse. So uh, it was a whole thing, but the mission was successful. Yeah. So we can all be happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, word of advice, if you do ever come across a baby yes. squirrel down, down yes. for the count a little bit, uh, play some baby squirrel sounds in distress on yes. your phone. Try to reunite the mom and the baby first. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, you just put the squirrel by the tree that you think it fell from and preferably like in a shallow box or something like that so that ants and other bugs don't start getting to it. And put your phone out there and play some baby squirrel cries and the mama will come back. Oh, it literally so worked. When you, did you guys use like a towel or gloves or something mm-hmm. to move it? Yeah. 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 We just had some big kitchen gloves that we used nice. and then washed just in case, and yeah, just yeah. picked it up by the scruff, popped it in there, and uh, yeah, and then the mom came back, and we were watching from our window, and it was the most stressful two and a half minutes <laughs> of my entire life. It took the mom forever to figure out what was going on. She was so confused and distressed, definitely. Right. She was like bugging and squirreling around, literally. Good, good choice. Okay. <laughs> yes, but she finally got the baby yeah. out of the little box, and... Picked it up and in his mouth and then just scurried away. So freaking cute. Like literally yeah. nature. Yeah. Oh my god. I, I I was legitimately crying for a good 30 minutes after it happened. <laughs> when it was over because I was so was stressed. stressed. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. So was there a squirrely out there that you there were was, looking There at? was two. And one of them I swear was looking right at us. <laughs> that, yeah. There was this one literally munging. He's... In there, she here. She's in the tree right there. Ugh, they're cute. Okay. Um, so was that it for chapter twelve? Uh huh. Yeah, okay. I didn't have any quick quotes from that chapter. Okay, this one's like uh, interviews, so it's a fair bit of information. So I just tried to pick out kind of like the most important stuff because it was really long. It's hard to figure out what was important. Um, but it starts with Clara, and I love. You know, we just love Clara, right. and this poor thing has to deal with this shitty family because she loves Peter. Yeah, and if you recall, Peter and her were supposed to leave. They were only going to be there for the, you know, like funeral or whatever it is, right. um, and then they were going to leave the next day. But now Peter's sister has been killed, so she's feeling bad that she's thinking of Julia's death as an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. But it's like it is right, but it's also she feels terrible, right? You know, those two things can exist in the same world. Of course, right. So she's trying to help, but everyone's just like, get away, Claire. So rude. Okay, so Zhang-Gi is interviewing Mariana Morrow first. That's one of the, she's the youngest sister, actually. And she's one that has been as a child. 
Um, she said she didn't know Julia well because there's 10 years between them. Um, she also talks about her daughter Bean and how she hasn't told the family the sex of her child. Um, and she hasn't told her what she does for a living, which she's an architect, mm -hmm. but her family doesn't even know this about her. Um, and their convo just kind of like points out how all, like how the whole family is so cryptic. Like they just, they lie all the time and they don't actually know a shit about one another. Mm -hmm. And it's bizarre because they judge each other all the time, but they don't right. actually know each other. Right. Um, and then Gamash is interviewing Peter. Um, he says Julia had a falling out with their father, so that's the reason that she left in her early 20s. So she's been kind of separated from the family since then. Um, Peter was 18 at the time, so he was only two years younger than Julia. He claims that they never kept in touch, but she would send cards from all of her travels. So, like, she, like, left the family and went on to have, like a successful posh life or whatever, mm -hmm. and she travels all over the world and, like, sends the family like postcards and Peter perceives it as her being like, well, I always read like to have an excuse to say, um, I'm the one that reached out. Right. I always tried to be a part of this family, but no one ever tried to bring me back into the family. Like that right. kind of thing, like kind of pushing it in their face. Yeah. But we don't know. She's dead. And this is Peter's yeah. perception. Yeah. To kind of like to make them feel bad about like not reaching out to her. Passive aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then there's an adorable interaction with Bean and Sandra. Ah, so, like, Sandra's kind of like yeah. the uptight wife of, yeah. um, what's his name? Thomas. Thomas. Uh -huh. And Bean's adorable. And Bean is teaching her to lick those marshmallow cookies <laughs> and throw them up to make them stick on the ceiling. And Sandra just lets loose and is licking these cookies. Which is such a cute moment. It's yeah. so cute because she really is, like, the one that you would never think to do something like that and she's right. like bitchy you know like that's why part of the staff didn't want to serve her right um so it's kind of a moment of just like letting go it was really cute um and then thomas his interview is basically nope no one would have ever wanted to kill julia i have nothing bad to say about her and no one has anything bad to say about her and there's no reason she would get killed right and that's it and then finally we just go back to peter um and he kind of just, like, insinuates things but never actually says anything. So he says, his father killed Julia's spirit well before his statue killed her yesterday. Uh, right? And then um, he's like, well, why don't you think any of us have children in this family? Like, our father destroyed all of us. Which is a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very interesting, right? And then Gamash is like, well, there's Bean. And Peter's like, yeah, but Bean can't jump. <laughs> I didn't. I reread that section. And I was like, "Really? Yes." And literally, her feet do not leave the ground at the same time. She can't jump. She's and then Gamash is wondering, like, what in the world has this family done to this child to make her so earthbound? And that's the end of the chapter. I was like, "Ooh." Well, I. <laughs> So that, the interview with Mariana, I also thought was, was just like really distressing about yeah. how she, and you know, like part of Zhangi's thought was like, how much is this woman just using a child? Yeah. Oh, 100%. To manipulate and get back at her. And family. this is your child. Right. Like, I, I mean, sh I, I don't think that she's making being dressed in any sort of way. Or, like, controlling her, really. But yeah. how does being not say if she wanted to express her gender? Um, yeah. How does she not do that? Yeah, I don't know. Well, actually, I just called her a she, but I don't really know if she is yeah, a she or say. a he. Yeah, yeah, they didn't say yet. Mm -mm. But um, I think if Mariana just has been telling them... Mm -hmm. One way or the other. Like, you're just a kid and you wouldn't know. I don't know. Are they homeschooled? Like, do you know their children? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, either way, the child is obviously strange. Yes. So, you know, it's probably because of how Mariana is parenting her. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's all very, it's all very odd. The but child. she doesn't jump. 
<laughs> no wonder she threw those cookies on the ceiling. <laughs> um, this quote had me cracking up. Yes. So Peter's mom, like anytime she visited them, you know, she'd be like, oh, um, they'd be like, oh, mom, like, you know, we're going to have lunch soon or whatever. And she'd be like, oh, will you just make me some, um, some salmon sandwiches or whatever? And Peter and Clara are like, we don't just have salmon lying around, like Clara thinks in her mind. Um, two struggling artists rarely ran to salmon. <laughs> <laughs> salmon can be expensive. I mean, it, yeah, it's just yeah. so, I mean, it just is so extra to like go to someone's house and be like, can I have salmon? Mm-hmm. Or even anything, like, can I have filet mignon or, like, whatever, you know? Right. How about just, like, a turkey sandwich lady? Like, come on. <laughs> um, and then, uh, oh, yeah, I just like this because Jean-Guy, I like his little um, interview tactics. Uh-huh. And he's talking about Mariana. And he, like, brings her in and makes her sit down in this hard chair that he brought into the room. And you think it's, like, because he wants them to be uncomfortable. And, you right. know, he's, like, hardly torture. But he liked his suspects uncomfortable. Plus, he wanted the big leather chair for himself because <laughs> it wasn't really about the interview. Just where you'd be the most comfortable. He was yes. just like, yeah, I just wanted that chair. Right. And he's probably like thinking about, I could imagine he would have the thought like, how would my outfit look in this chair? <laughs> yeah. Like, how do I set myself up so I look like the most like commanding? Yes. Have Stylish. My- ready for my G crew. Ooh. I'm doing different poses on this chair right now with no one can see that, but I was trying to show off my leather shoes, yeah. and then I was trying to get into a yeah. sexy man pose, stroking yeah. my goatee. Yeah. 100%, I see it. I Even see it. though Jean-Guy's definitely clean cut, right? He's I think he is, yeah. He doesn't have a goatee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, love him. <laughs> if you guys don't, like, love him yet and you're into book four, don't worry. Yeah. It's fine. Because he does have, like, offensive traits. You're just like, dude, you're fine. Mm -hmm. You know? But you'll you'll like him. Don't worry. So, um, that leads, yeah, (laughs) that leads us to the Bistro Brief. We had, um, a good amount of food in this chapter. Um, so, our food that we had, our sandwiches that we had, um, in addition to the gazpacho for this episode was... Poached salmon, mayo, paper-thin cucumber, onion, and vinegar sandwiches. It's really good. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, we made those. And mine did not have mayonnaise on it, but that's okay. <laughs> As always. <laughs> and we had some tomato and thick-sliced maple ham sandwiches. Mm-hmm. So we had very those. Good. Uh-huh. Um, unfortunately, we did not have spruce beer. Um, have you ever had a spruce beer? I don't think I've had a spruce beer, but I feel like, does it not taste like root beer? So, no. Yeah. It tastes a little piney, like a little foresty. Oh, Because it's literally made yeah. from spruce tips. Okay. Um, we, I had never heard of it. I had no idea what it even was until we went to Alaska last year. Last year? Last year. Yeah. Over a year. Wow. <laughs> Since we went to Alaska last year, that was the first time I'd ever heard of it. And we had it there. It was so just like crisp. And delicious. Interesting. Very refreshing. Yeah, really, really good. Is it actual beer? Yeah, it's beer. Oh, okay. It's just beer. Like, you know how beer is made with hops and that kind of stuff? Like, it's, like, one of the ingredients that they put in there, and it just gives you this delicious feeling of being in the woods. Hmm. Yeah. You would like it. So, I tried to find it. Um, Not... You know, very successful down here in Houston, but I went to Premium Drought, and I talked to the guy, and he was like, oh, we don't right now. And it's not that common, I, but I really want a spruce beer now. Oh, nice. He was, like, so into it, yeah. and I was like, oh, man. And he was like, if we get one, though, it would usually be seasonal. Like, it's kind of more sure. of a winter okay. beer, maybe down here or somewhere else. So maybe we'll check in a little while. Okay. Um, and then we went to Total Wine mm-hmm. because I looked online, yeah. and it said there was a spruce beer there, and I couldn't find it anywhere. And I uh, even asked someone to help me, and I was there for, like, an hour probably. You went above and beyond. I really wanted it because it was it's really yeah. good. Huh. Anyway, I failed. So we are instead having root beer. It which which is also delicious. Yeah. And we're also having wine because why wouldn't you have wine? Of course. Even though it's not mentioned. Well, well tomorrow's a holiday, so why not? Tomorrow is a tomorrow holiday. Yeah. As I said that, uh, indigenous people slash well, indigenous people day. Yeah, indigenous people day. Yeah. Um 
aka Columbus Day, yeah. and like most people don't have Probably it off. Known as Columbus Day. <laughs> some people have it off, some yeah. people don't. I'm taking the day off um, because I want to. Yeah. So yeah, it's a holiday. We're drinking our wine. Okay. Um, and then lastly, the chocolate covered marshmallow cookies Those that were sound really good. <laughs> yes. I did tell you about the s'more cake pie. Oh yeah, that you guys had at the yeah at, yeah. at Novi's. Novi's. It was so good. Okay, so I like that option way better yeah. than the options. That were available when I was there, although yeah. an olive oil cake is so it's so good. It good. sounds so weird, but it's so good. It's yeah. so good. Yep. Okay, I need to go back there and just get that. Yeah. Um, that's it. I think we have one more chapter. Mm-hmm. We're doing pretty good. I have no yeah. idea how long it's I don't been. Know either. Okay, chapter fourteen. Okay. Um, so this chapter kind of I feel like has two main events. One is a little bit seemingly a bit bigger than the other, mm. but who knows? Time will tell. Ooh. So, first, Gamash and Daniel, his son, Armand, Gamash, Gamash. Armand and, Gamash. Yes. And, and they have, Danielle Gamash. Yes. Nope. Yes. Danielle? Daniel. 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 That's not I think that. Yeah, because they speak French. <laughs> um, so, they have a bit of a tip uh, regarding the name that Daniel and his wife have chosen for their unborn child, if that child happens to be male. And they want to name him Henri. Uh, but Gamache feels that that will be subjecting the child to a cruel future. And I don't think we know yet why Gamache is so against the name of Henri. Um, but basically, like, the conversation kind of started off kind of okay, and then Gamash says some things that Daniel took, Danielle, took in a, a wrong way. Mm-hmm. And then uh, his son is basically like hanging up on him. You don't think I'm a good father? Blah, 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 blah. And it's so sad because we know yeah. Armand so well. Mm-hmm. And you, you're just like, how could him and his son possibly not get along? Right. It doesn't make any sense. He's like the best, nicest person ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. No, they have a they have a little tiff, and yeah, so that seems like a pretty big situation because it, like you said, like it's hard to imagine Gamash not having a good relationship with yeah. his family, right? Um, because he's such a wonderful human being. Yep. Um, the other event is Zhangi meeting the chef for the first time <laughs> and feeling for some reason that he knows her but he can't place her. Like, as soon as she walks in and he, like, takes a look at her entire appearance, and I think this is, like, the sausage fingers, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, he he just feels like he knows her, and I'm so curious about this. Because I don't remember. No, I have no happens. idea. Yeah. And then later on, he is traveling with Gamash and Remarie back to Three Pines, and he starts talking with Gamash about his feeling of knowing the chef, and Gamash is like, yeah, I had that same feeling. Oh. Like, why are they both having this feeling that she seems so familiar? She's a shapeshifter. <laughs> I mean, it could be. I Maybe. mean. <laughs> Anything can go. Maybe Louise Penny is going to start dipping into the uh, magical reality. Yeah, yeah I, want, I want magical realism from mm-hmm. Louise Penny. Be great. Shaver oh. needs to have like a spin-off. Yeah, she needs to change it up. Yeah. Let's go. What if like three pines just like exist in a snow globe? You know? It basically does. And that that's like a new episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. <laughs> but and then the only way to like really monitor their population is there there has to be murder. There has to be murder. Because they're they're in a snow globe. People can't move away. The murders are just some fingers that come in and pluck someone out <laughs> yeah. to, you know, control the population. <laughs> new, new thought, Louise Benny. Okay, so we don't know where this is going. Yeah. We don't know why she seems familiar. Nope. So those are kind of like the two big events. Um, and I'm sure we'll find out more as the book uncovers. And good. I will also be reminded as to what actually happened. I'm, I'm excited to find uh, out. There, in terms of the bistro brief, mm-hmm. there wasn't really much food that was talked about, mm-hmm. except when the chef comes out and she, like, I feel like slaps a roast <laughs> on the countertop. <laughs> yep. 
And I just imagine this like confident room filling woman with <laughs> just like this massive roast and like snap slapping it down on the countertop. I love her. Uh, so yeah, so there was a roast, and then uh, not really too many quotes, but. Uh, in this chapter when Zhang Guy is uh, driving to Three Pines with Ren Marie and Gamash, uh, he feels like he's sitting behind mom and dad. Oh, which <laughs> I thought was actually super cute. So, referring to That's basically, I mean, yeah, that, he, he, I don't think he has, like, the best relationship with his family that they're not really talked about. Mm-hmm. Even his, like, life at home with his wife. It's weird, right? Yeah. 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 So that's adorable. He mm-hmm. has his own little uh, Death Squad family. <laughs> you know? Yes, he does. <laughs> so that's it. We did it. Yeah. Okay. So that was chapter seven through four. Ooh. Ooh, reading suggestions. Time for our book yeah. ends. Obviously, we have to end our episodes with some I suggestions. I know. Well, well it's been um, seven months or so yes. since we. But no, I, I definitely just want to suggest something that I just finished because it was okay. great. I gave it five stars, and that's oh, nice. Wayward. What was it about? Wayward by Amelia Hart. Uh-huh. Wayward with an E. Okay. <laughs> W-E-Y. Um, it is perfect for October. Uh-huh. Um, it's got three different characters. It follows three different women, one in like the 1600s. Kind of like witchy trial okay. type okay. situation. One in World War Two era, mm-hmm. um, and one in the current day, 2018, 20, 2020, 2023, I don't know. Current day, basically. And obviously you're like, how are all these three going to be related in some way, you know? Yeah. In terms of the storyline. And there's, yeah, there's some witchiness and spookiness going yeah. on. It's It's a... It's a great book, and the audiobook is really good. I liked all of the voices. Nice. Three different ones. Accents. Very nice. You know I love a good accent, yeah. but the one back in the 1600s is my favorite. Okay. Yeah, I definitely recommend that one. It's all really good. It's about ladies being ladies. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. All right. Emily, what have you read recently? Oh, um... I think the ones that are coming to mind are, uh, it's a series by uh, Jody Taylor. Jody Taylor. Yep. Uh, Chronicles of St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been listening to the audiobook, and I, I, I do like the audiobook. It's a nice, like, British accent. Um, and the premise is kind of fun. Uh, it's... So the Chronicles of St. Mary's, uh, the main character, the books actually don't have any description really about what happens to them, but it's like the main idea is that there are these kind of bumbling professionals who are wandering through time. What? So they, they're, in this book, they have these time machines that um, these historians go back uh, to different periods of time, and they're like primary goal is to, you know, observe the events. They're not supposed to interact, um, but observe the events and record so that they can help better characterize what's happened in history. Okay. And so, and then they record that. But they are constantly, you know, nothing ever goes right. Nothing is ever perfect. And so there's just like lots of mishaps that are happening. And in the first book, and I shared this with uh, Heather and our other friend, um, because, you know, a lot of books these days, um, there's like this new genre of this lady romance in books that are very descriptive. And in the first book by Jody Taylor, uh, one of the main characters, she ends up having a little bit of a, a, a love situation. And in the book, the the author writes um, where the main character and her man friend are getting together in the bedroom. And she writes, if this was one of those books, there would be a five-page detailed outline of everything that happens. But not in this book. <laughs> or not with this. Uh, in this, 
they just fall asleep. <laughs> and that ends over. Yeah. It's like, oh, I love that. No, um, that is... Yeah. yeah, especially in this day and age. Right. With all those spicy books everyone's Whew. into. Whew. Yeah, I can't. I don't, I don't need it. I don't need it. So, I... It's a fun series um, about time. And I think it's also kind of interesting. Like, I catch myself thinking about the historical events that yeah. she was talking about. That's cool. And I was like, oh, I didn't really know that. Yeah. Or kind of put some other things in perspective. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a little bit of a reintroduction to some major events in history. That's kind of why I like historical fiction mm-hmm. novels. Because they're, they're essentially just fiction novels, which are obviously the best and so right. fun to read. But then you get reminded of something that happened for reals exactly. in life. And you're like, oh, I didn't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Riley's probably barking at a squirrel. She loves barking at them. That's okay. So, um, those are our recommendations. Yep. Yes. Wayward by Amelia Hart and... The Chronicles of St. Mary's by Jody Taylor. Jody Taylor. All right. Check those out. Let us know. Um, so, that's all for this week. Yep. Um, next week, we're going to cover 15 to 21 of A Rule Against Murder by Lisa Benny. Yep. That's seven chapters. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'll do odds. You do evens. Yep. And don't forget Armand's wise... Oh, my God. Why do I always say wise words of wisdom? Because that just makes sense. (laughs) Wise words of wisdom. Please tell us what they are, Emily. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I need help. I'm sorry. And I was wrong. See you next time. Bye. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily and Heather. Our music is by Robert Sellis.